0: put on the step, goes right through, put on the step again, oh go Freddie, that was magnificent stuff, well
1: they shall not really them, Marshall skips away, Marshall skips away,
0: Marshall's still going,
1: Mullins opens up
2: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to sell Daniel Wagon-themed sex dolls to the developing world. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show, I'll we'll be discussing all of the late-breaking news and the wonderful world of rugby league. But first, I'm joined by an expert panel of rugby league enthusiasts via Zoom in what is clearly a TVT first. And so look, I'll just rattle them off now, and then I'll bring all you guys in. Uh, the first is the host of the Hypothetic Rugby League podcast, David Hunter. The second is long-suffering dragons victim, Giannis Mateus, and our panel is rounded off by our usual crew of debauchery and MediaWatch Mario and Xander Risotto. It's great to have you all here, guys, uh, on the line. I hope you can all still hear me. I am using uh, fairly old world technology. It's essentially two uh, Campbell's soup cans and a collection of strings, but I think it's still working. Uh, now, it, we are recording the show, of course, on an Easter Sunday, which is... The one day of the year, I like to bury myself in the backyard in the morning, and I rise after lunch in honour of the great JC. Uh, but enough about my habits. Xander, we're going to start with you, mate, because you are rather r- religious and pious. What did you do to honour this very religious occasion today? Yeah, mate, like I like I mentioned
0: uh, before we started the recording, I spent most of it um, evacuating from both ends, <laughs> vomiting, and, <laughs> vomiting and, uh, and having incredibly loud
2: diarrhoea. Uh, in honour so, of know, Jesus Christ.
0: In honour of Jesus Christ.
2: Well, that's excellent news because I think by the time you get nailed up to a cross, you probably are ready to evacuate from both ends. It was
0: it was a religious experience, though, mate. I I, I did I did revive on 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 the the holy
2: Sunday. Fantastic. Uh, look, we're also here. Uh, welcome, Mario. Um, before I get to the other gents, your thoughts on your beloved Manly side and that very close game they had with Penrith. How did you see it?
3: I thought they were particularly excellent. I mean, they didn't lose by 50. So when Tommy Turbo comes back in round, you know, 114, then we'll be ready for an undefeated drive to the premiership. What What are
2: Tommy Turbo's hamstrings made out of, mate? Is it essentially tissue paper sort of enmeshed with, like, glitter glue?
3: Yeah, but then with some um, Coke poured on them and then left there to soak for a week
2: as is Dez's way. I mean, you're strength and conditioning coach. You haven't been a fan of your club's strength and conditioning for quite a few seasons now, and for good reason. But have we named them, shamed them yet on the podcast?
3: Uh, No, because we'd probably get the pronunciation wrong and then get accused of being racist again, so we probably don't need that. We'll just make Hitler jokes. Those are always safe.
2: Yeah, one thing this show is always safe of, it's uh, bigotry and and being accused of any discrimination. We've never really dallianced with that. Uh, We're also here with David Hunter. Welcome, David. Uh, you've already mentioned pre-show that you think you're going to be free of all the slings and the arrows. Uh, you're a Mad Eels fan and they haven't played yet. Um, is, that the, is that the reason you've uh, decided to clue into the
4: show a little bit early today? Yeah, it's definitely the reason. I, I felt like if we went on Monday, I could, uh, I could be quite embarrassed. I, I actually want to thank uh, both of you guys for mentioning a, um, a fascist dictatorship early on. Um, that's, that's part of the reason I listen to the show because I want to hear all about uh, Nazis. You get it all here on the voluntary tackle. That's
2: what you like. A bit of rugby league, but mainly Pol Pot. Um, but if we can sort of sprinkle a little bit of sport on top, then I feel like the listeners walk away uh, with a hearty message about history. Um, and before we close up on that, do you, how do you think mm. the Eels are going to go against the Tigers tomorrow? Uh, is there any trepidation? Because as a lot of rugby league fans would know, the Eels do come out of the box quite well in the last couple of years. Um, but have faded later
4: in the season. Is there any
2: trepidation about the Tigers tomorrow?
4: Look, if anyone knows me as a Nils fan, they know I'm the ultimate pessimist. Um, I don't think that they're going to win any games ever. So, uh, look, I always go in, you know, just hoping that we'll be competitive. And also when we play an Easter Monday against the Tigers, we're notoriously quite bad. So, look, I'm really glad that we're doing, like I said, pre-show. I'm really glad we're doing this before this game because, you know, I couldn't imagine losing to things so bad as uh, you know, being a team that could lose to the Tigers like Newcastle did last week. You know what I'm really impressed with there, David? You've, you've come to the show armed with Easter Monday stats. That's very impressive. You <laughs> know that your team... <laughs> well, I don't have their official stats there, Eamon. I'm just making them up. But I don't think we're very good on Easter Monday from my memory. <laughs> no, oh, well, we accept all of that as fact. And, of course,
2: last but not least, Giannis, um, you are obviously a Mad Dragons fan. Hook's Army looks to be surprising a few people they had a win today and they haven't had a bad start to the season are you sort of surprised about that or were you quietly confident that they'd exceed everyone's expectations
1: yeah i'd, I'd avoid the term hooks army given we're just talking about some dictators of the past um <laughs> i am surprised uh that we're doing better than what i thought we would be but uh remember we've we've taken on uh you know Dare I say, and sorry, Murray, I've got to say, this is two teams that I wouldn't exactly say, are, you know, they're fighting themselves out for a spoon. And then the nights today was good, but it was really a war of attrition rather than anything else. So um, I'm still letting that paint dry. Um, but uh, I always thought we were a bad bottom eight team. Oh, sorry, a good bottom eight team. So, um, yeah, about expectations is what we're, we're delivering at the moment, I think.
2: Giannis, could that be the tactic of the dragons? As you said, the war of attrition against the knights today. The knights were left with only eight people. Could that be a plan by Hook to sort of essentially kind of maim the opposition so that they sort of limp and bleed to the, the finish line? Is it-
1: I, I I would say that uh, we would be um, certainly looking at sort of you know cutting off uh, oxygen at certain levels. Um, no, in, in all seriousness, I think um, it was the luck of the draw today. Look, it was a good win. I'm not going to say. You know, any win up there is a good win. Um, But um, I think that uh, certainly uh, fitness—we are looking a fit team. I'll I'll give Hook that. Uh, And and Peter Gentle, the uh, second oldest man in rugby league, seems to have got our defence at least a bit sorted out. Um, But I still think the—you know—we've got—we've got got the big boys still still to come. Let's just see where we are after that. Particularly if they've got more than eight people on on a field at the end of it.
2: As you said, I think it was it was really good of Peter Gentle to uh, you know leave the crypt. Today to attend the game, I thought that was quite good of him. Um, no, I actually yeah. Reed Sims had a had a bit of a blinder today.
1: Yeah, he stepped up the last two games, which is good. But again, is he going to be the Mitchell Moses of flat track, bully? Uh, you know, uh, out there, or, or, or is he going to recuperate that 2018 form? Uh, we'll wait and see. I guess where I am, uh, and a much props last week. What I'm particularly pleased out of everybody is that Ben Hunt I think has stepped up, uh, and and I've always thought he's 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 quality. Um, uh, Corey Norman on the other hand, always beware of a of a man playing uh, for a contract. Um, you know, one in three years is just simply not enough for the money that he's got. Um, but there there is some talk as well that we're um, we might be buying a few more ex Broncos players and who we're trading them for. I'm, I'm not that keen on hearing. Uh, we might be getting rid of Adam Clune to the North Queensland Cowboys and we get uh, Maguire back, uh, you know, our way, not so keen on
2: that. I actually don't think uh, Adam clune has been too bad. But, you know, I did mention this on the show last week that you were one of the few uh, Ben Hunt defenders as we did a bit of preview with the Dragons season. Um, You sort of came to his defence. Ben Hunt, I know he's got a bit of a fracture in the leg. Hopefully it's not too bad. He'll be back at some stage this year. But Corey Norman, as you said, he's the one who's really surprised me because. I think he's been garbage for about three years so I mean I hope that's not hitting too close to the bone for you but um is there a chance you said he's playing for a new contract surely the dragons won't sign him up again will they because they've been trying to shop him around and get rid of him haven't
1: they yeah we've we got we got two young kids coming through uh amone and Sullivan who are we've got big racks on there that's our future mm. and they're in their contracts apparently in 2023 they need to be actually in their contracts they need to be playing in our first uh as our first starting hookers uh, first starting half, should I say. So I, I think that even if we did offer um, Norman something, um, it would be, uh, you know, a year um, at half at, at half the rate. Um, my concern is is that Clune uh, offers more versatility. He can come off, play hooker, but also he can play at the halves. Um, and, and I think he'd play quite well with Hunt. Um, but, you know, I, I guess the question with Norman is, is, I'm not sure whether he's playing well or... He's just playing better than what he was last year. Um, he did play well today, I'll give him that. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd rather see him play somewhere else. If yeah, you, you know, One in three years is not enough.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, good luck to Corey. I hope he does get a new contract. Of course, he very famously won his previous contract on a blackjack table, uh, which is pretty rare in the, in the game of rugby league. And Adam Clune, I don't know if anyone else agrees, he has to be the oldest-looking early 20-something that I've ever seen. That man must have come out
4: of the womb with sort of middle-aged dad, Bob Flab. Andrew McFadden, we still look like that as well. I, I, you know, he, he kind of looked like he came out Benjamin Button style. So, yeah. Yeah, the
2: great McFadden, he was the guy that um, no one realised how old he looked because he wore the headgear for the first half mm. of his career. And then when finally they he took it off when he was probably about 28, for the first time ever, it was like a big reveal. And uh, people were quite shocked at just how bald and old he looked. Mm. Um, Look, we're going to just rattle through some talking points sequentially, guys. Um, Mario, I'm going to go to you first, mate, because uh, I'm not sure if anyone's across this story, but there's uh, some rumours that Paul Green is coming to help your club, Mario, uh, to help Des in the coaching. Now, help's not a word you want to hear when a secondary coach off contract comes in. Um, Is this just a slow knife in the back that the Manly fans want? Do you foresee a chance that Paul Green could be the new coach at Brookvale?
3: I would take absolutely anyone that's not Des Hasler right now. I'd take Jason Taylor. I'd take Peter Gentle. I'd take Dean Pei. Uh Des just needs to be shot out of a cannon into the sun.
2: Okay, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the, the response I was probably anticipating. But let's go to the panel here, guys. Anyone can jump in. Um, is anyone else, I guess, as um, asorbic towards Des Hasler as Mario is? Do you think he's doing that bad a job? I know, obviously, the results this year would suggest... Things are not good. Uh, last year, a bit of an injury crisis. Wasn't a great year either. But the year before that, got to the finals, looked quite good. Um, should he be banished from Book vale forever for a, someone like Paul Green? I, mean, I think the,
0: the decision's already been made, right? I mean, they got thumped the first couple of weeks and they extended his contracts. I mean, it's, uh, I think uh, I think he's manly through and through by the, the sounds of things and they're not going to budge on it. I kind of agree with Murray. I don't think it's a smart decision, but um, yeah. I. I don't see how you can make a decision like that and then turn around and look to bring somebody else in that quickly afterwards.
3: It's super strange. It really is. I mean, what what message are they sending? Des Hasler, I obviously think he's a terrible coach these days, but you've sent him the message that yeah, unless he's the one asking for the help, then what the hell's going on? And he has never seemed like the sort of guy who would ask for that sort of help. It, it doesn't doesn't seem to fit. So I'm a bit confused. It definitely feels like mixed messages.
2: And Mario, obviously, Manly are probably the only club that I remember in recent memory that did have two first-grade coaches at the club at once with the big Trent Barrett, Des Hasler, Fiasco. So they've got a bit of form on the board for having two coaches in the box essentially at the same time sort of fighting it out Game of Thrones style. Worked
0: out really well last time.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I yeah, suppose I, was- at least I didn't mind making the final. So I suppose in a way it did work out okay. And frankly, you know, it's not my money they're spending if, if our owner wants to throw his money away, that's his business.
4: Well, I mean, wasn't the whole problem with the North Queensland Cowboys supposed to be Paul Green?
3: So oh, I'm not
4: sure what, what new ideas Paul Green is going to part, bring apart from the that 2015 blockway that he's been, you know, peddling for the last five years. Hmm. Um, I, I just want to say to Mario, you've all those coaches that you take over him. Um, I wouldn't take Stephen Carney over him as a as a Eels fan. So, you know, maybe maybe there's one or two coaches that are slightly worse than des at this point um and i don't even know if you can say look just seems like des is just he thinks that you know the magic's going to just come back to him at some point it it sort of feels that way so I i don't know whether um whether it will come back to him whether you know tommy turbo is the is the key to it all but they just they look so devoid of of anything like in any kind of passion, manly. So a bloke,
3: a bloke on um Twitter that some may know called Ben Wallace shared a, a meme to me, which I think it was a Simpsons meme from Memory Wars, basically just saying, "Oh my God, we've we've tried absolutely nothing and we're at completely out of ideas." Yep. Yeah. What
1: Simpsons it looks been.
2: like. Yeah. No, there is a little bit of that, isn't there? And, and I guess um you know if you're going to read the tea leaves on this. Um, sort of the pundits are suggesting that Des Hasler, especially with all the rule changes, the game has probably never progressed or transformed, I should say, um, so quickly in such a small amount of time. And people are wondering if Des is essentially playing old world footy in 2021. don't know if he's in if there's any credibility in that view.
3: I mean, I certainly think there is. It just still feels like it's 2011 to him and he he's run, he's just got, the attack looks absolutely flat and the defence... Has no idea how to cope with what a modern attack does. That with the actual movement off the ball and everything that happens in modern rugby league, that the various shapes that they employ, his defence does not cope with those movements, and we just simply let them walk past us untouched. And it's happening in the middle of the field and out the the sides, but especially on the wings, we're just absolutely lost.
4: What do you think about the recruitment, though, Mario? Like, um, is have they been bringing the right players in? Is it just the fact we changed the rules so quickly. It, has he, you know? I mean, I don't know who you guys have for this. You got Josh Alloway and some well, other. I, you
3: know what I mean. I'm not sure who's though. come in. The thing is, he's been yeah. good. But my issue is, we've got the players in reserve grade not being used. Guys, uh, they're, maybe they're not going to set the world on fire, but they're at least first grade quality players between Sadler and Cust and Harper and Funa. We've got a few good players right there that are better than what we're playing in first grade. Anyone except Des Hasler can see, and I've said it four weeks in a row now, that Dylan Walker is a terrible fullback. And this was probably his best game, at least with the ball. He still offered nothing, but he at least looked like he tried to offer something. But you look at every single try that gets scored against us, no matter where it is, Dylan Walker is almost never in shot. He's just not there. He doesn't know where to be. You know, Brendan Elliott looked lost in attack, but at least he was decent in defence. And you see Tommy, you see Pap, you see Teddy, and even, I won't say Kalen Ponga, he's not quite on that level in terms of defence, but generally speaking, the guys that they know, the good players know where to be. And you can't, that's not even Des's fault, but picking Dylan Walker in that spot every week is Des's fault. And picking Jared Croker, uh, sorry, Lachlan Croker, in that spot each week, when he, he's only had two good games for Manly, and they're both against Canberra, uh, what is Des Hasler saying that no one else sees? Literally, no one.
1: Yeah, Mario, I was, was going to say this. I, I actually, I actually can tell you what's going to happen because I, I reckon what's happening with Des at the moment has parallels with what Mary did. Sorry to bring it back to the Dragons. Is Mary kicked, had a, a whole range of young players ready to step up now? You know, we're talking the Tristan Sailors. Uh, we had a, a guy called Lachlan Tim, who was the um, Canterbury Cup prop. Uh, we had a whole lot of young players that week in, week out, said we chose underperforming so-called stars that uh, never delivered. Uh, and ultimately what happened, of course, is we ended up getting Flanagan in, um, you know, the old established coach. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of, I can see a lot of parallels between what we've been through and what you're about to go through. Um, and and this, due respect, signing signing up Des this time made no sense. No one was after him. Like, why bother? Um, you know, there's there's no need
4: for it. Yeah, you're right. Des Hasler is not a hot property, is he? No, it's funny. So you say we that did the same. I, I labelled them. Yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say I labelled yeah. the Manly Sea Dragons this week because it's the same thing. They're they're about sure. two years behind where the Dragons were, and they're signing up a coach in the whole months.
1: Uh, So the next, the inevitable step is, is that um, Mario, I'll I'll have to give you some lessons on how to deal with Twitter uh, on Twitter and how to deal with failure really badly. Um, It's what we call a Monday morning. Um, So, uh, you know, how to blow up. I'll give you the instructions. I'm sure you'll be fine. Uh, We we can
3: talk, we can talk off mic later. Yeah. I'll need the advice. <laughs> I
2: was going to say, Yannis. I'm sure it fills Mario with so much confidence to say you're about to enter the chapter that the Dragons are going through over the last 10 years. Uh, a bit of a sense of foreboding there. Uh, lads. So I right, did...
3: now, right now, I would take the success the Dragons have had the last 10 years, which is no wooden spoons. Because honestly, that feels like unrealistic hope for our next three years if Des stays in charge for three years. That being said, we've all watched the Cowboys and the Bulldogs and they do give me some hope.
2: I almost feel like the, the Manly Seagulls, the Dogs and the Cowboys should be broken off into a new comp and they just do a round robin every week <laughs> because they're definitely not up to the standard of the rest of the competition and their games actually might be close then.
3: Well, it'd be, it's yeah, super exciting. Know. What we want is close games apparently because we're certainly not getting them at the moment. Um, so, yep, you're right. This will be the more successful comp, those three teams.
2: Mitchell Pearce injured today. It looks to be a neck injury, uh, which is, of course, a double blow for Pierce He's out of the footy team for months, and it's also his dominant
1: sexting arm. Uh, do you guys think that Newcastle can still make the finals without him? Oh, look, I think the Dragons have a uh, history of ending seasons. Uh, we ended uh, your season last year with the injuries to Verrills and Radley. Um, uh, and I think that uh, they're pretty much gone this year too. Um, if if Pearce is not there, uh, and then those other lingering injuries, I, I just can't see them. Uh, I, I just don't think they have the, the the cattle or the the established systems to get them through. Um, you know, they're not a well. They don't have the runs on the board like you know East, for example, that run it more like their clubs more like a a squad oh. mentality. I So you're coming from from there, but. I- You know, it is Mitchell Pearce,
2: Giannis, which is probably, uh, I guess, closer to the point here. Is he a a net loss or is it a net gain not to have his conventional box kick 18 times a game enacted? And Xander, look, obviously Mitchell was with our club for many years. He managed to expunge many potential premierships uh, from our quite illustrious trophy box. Um, Do you think it's a good thing that Mitchell Pearce isn't there anymore? Because I have to say this. I'm a big fan of Green, and you know, I don't know if you guys know this. He's only played four games sort of they've won all four apart from today. Um, I actually think he'd be a good replacement, but I'll let you take it away, Zander.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want him to be. Uh, I, th- I think he's, I think he's solid from from what I've seen him of, his, of him as well. But I think their injury crisis is a lot bigger than that. I mean, uh, watching watching them against the Tigers last week was just atrocious. To be honest, I don't think I've ever seen a more inept performance, and. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of that was just due to the fact that Tech can't catch a ball. Um, but they don't look like a finals uh, outfit to me at all this year, even even with Pierce uh, in the side. Um, I don't think it'll be a net gain for them, him being off, but I don't think it makes any difference on their chances, to be completely honest.
2: Mario, when you see someone like Kurt Mann, he's been one of these guys that everyone's sort of labelled as a utility, sort of played basically every role on the field, barring prop. At that stage in his career, apart from being knocked absolutely senseless in today's game, do you think he could be a bit of a fix for the Knights?
3: I think he's a useful player. I don't think he's... He's not going to fix that team. I mean, as has just been said, they've just got a few too many weaknesses. I picked them ninth, mainly because there was just more bad teams below them, and I think all of those teams are probably going to end up below them, but... I mean, at this rate, Dragons might finish ahead of them. And hell, even the Tigers, who knows? Because Knights are maybe a little worse than we thought. But then again, we'll wait and see what happens with Ponga back. That He will help them a lot. I think he'll help out Blake Green. I'm not sure Mitch Pierce is needed if Green and Ponga can sort of run the show the way they do. They could still be a, a useful team, but certainly in no way a threat.
2: Does anyone know when Ponga's due back? Is he still about a month off? It's
3: probably wherever Tommy Turbo is.
2: Yeah, around five, I heard. Okay, well, okay, so that's fairly imminent then. Well, that, that will obviously have a, um, its effect in, in returning some fortune for them, but um, he's certainly not going to be all on Ponga's shoulders. I'll need to do something about those outside backs. There's, they look a bit thin out there. I like when Bradman Best is there, although he does tend to be injured a fair bit. There's that young kid with the dreadlocks that debuted last week. I'm not sure if you guys saw him, but... Jesus Christ, he didn't catch a ball. Um, it was about eight times. It reminded me of Brendan the Brave, Mario, to be honest.
0: Um, yeah, their back, their back three in general were just unable to catch at all. It was it was painful to watch. I think all the Tigers' tries came off them just dropping really simple sitters.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was as though yeah, they didn't get the back three for the autism spectrum. It's like they didn't pass that
1: three, three game. Yeah, well, to, to carry on that analogy, it was like the non-verbal autism uh, in the Fords this morning. You know, today, like they were just angry, uh, particularly Clemmer. So angry today. It was actually good to see a Clemmer fired up for a change,
2: because I don't know if the yeah, listeners are aware of this, but there is a, an exact ratio of Clemmer's anger to how many follicles he's wearing on top of his head, because bald Clemmer goes really well. Uh, but Clemmer with hair tends to be lacking in the intensity department. And this was probably the first game I've seen in ages where the
4: haired Clemmer fired up. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think I... His, the, problem, the problem today was he gave away stupid penalties at the wrong time. If he doesn't give away that penalty in the scrum, maybe it's a different game completely. Mm. That's another thing bald Clemmer's
2: bad at. You know, he tends to give oh. away more penalties. That was rare as well, because he Clemmer did give away, as you said, three or four. But I prefer to see that... Not only as a Knights fan, but as a Rugby League fan, you don't want to see subdued Clemmer. You know, you want to see the one that looks a little bit like he's, you know, likely to commit a felony.
3: Subdued Clemmer is on? Dylan Napper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not in the sex tape, mate. He was, uh, he was quite active in that one. Um, no, look, I, you know, I think the Knights. Um, I'm sort of agreeing with everyone else here. I don't know if they're going to make finals this year. I think they'll be one of those teams lingering on the cusp of the eight uh, that might finish with it. West Tigers-ish kind of year this season, particularly with the injury toll. Uh, But from slightly brighter spots, Pappenhausen. I'm a massive fan of the Pap. Anyone that listens to the show knows that. Uh, I was was a big fan of the guy from his debut. What an effort player. But he does seem to get a little bit better. Uh, Not so much a little bit, quite a bit better this week. Four tries in 11 minutes. Uh, How did we see it? Start
4: with you, David. Uh... Well, look, I was I was holidaying down the South Coast and I didn't actually watch that game, so oh. I don't know. But I, but I heard four tries in 11 minutes and thought, well, you know, what team is he playing against? So that might be part of it as well. They were pretty so, special was, efforts, to be fair. OK, that's fine. Didn't watch it. I, I, I'm, on a, I'm on a wrap of a weekend. I didn't watch that game. So I'm sorry for that. He
3: also handed George Jennings a try that he probably could have scored himself given the state of that defence, so... I think five was certainly there. Of
0: his own tries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, mu- that must be special if George
4: impressive. Jennings scored
3: a try. That's two. George Jennings got two. <laughs> what? Oh my god. Okay, i got to
4: go back and watch this game. Parramatta fans are, would not believe that George Jennings could, could actually score two tries. I
2: don't know if I'm reading the room properly here, but I want to hear more about David Hunter's South Coast trip.
4: <laughs> Do you? Okay, it was a lovely, uh, <laughs> lovely afternoon. No, uh, I okay. went down with the family. We um we went down for Easter, so I just came back today. I wasn't um, serious. So you interrupted so. my holiday so I can come back and talk to you guys. <laughs> I appreciate you cutting
2: your, your holiday short for us. This is obviously I don't know if you're under any false impression, we don't pay any money to any of the guests on the show, but uh, certainly uh respected diligence setting up today. But no, it, it was it was four tries in eleven minutes. I was at home barracking uh, for the Pappenhausen to break Frank Burge's old record. Uh, I think it's eight tries. I think it was a forward as well. Uh, but it kind of dried up in the in the second half there. But this is the question I want to throw to the room. Janis, I'll start with you, mate. Where does Pappenhausen rank
1: at the moment in comparison to guys like Tedesco and Luttrell? Yeah, you see, I, I, I feel really sorry for Pappenhausen and, and Teddy. They're all talking about, you know, he should be the next to Origin. <laughs> fullback we are. When we all know Matt Dufty's the, um, the, the chosen heir. Uh, No, look, in in honesty, uh, I think Teddy still has it. I mean, he played well today. Um, I I think Pavanhausen, again, is an absolute gun, but Teddy's got runs on the board and and, and still would be, you know, if that's my choice of number one for New South Wales, Teddy would still have it. Um, Yeah, that's where I stand on that. But Pavanhausen's, you know, really, what a luxury to have, you know, column A or column B, really. Yeah, oh,
2: look, he's got to be. I mean, I know people, uh, it's too early to talk about origin, but fuck it, I'll do it anyway, But because everyone else is.
4: Um, well, so fuck I like, two, what?
2: So. Yeah, well, you've got to, you know, find a spot to get him in that team, surely. Like, even though they're two freaks and they play the same position, um, I'd have Pappenhausen somewhere in the outside backs. But, Mario, I wanted to throw to you on that same question, and also a secondary question. Where does Dylan Walker rank against those two?
3: Well, I mean, Dylan Walker's just that tiny bit behind them. But, you know, if we're talking about locks for, or, you know, origin fullback position, there's only one king, and it ain't Tedesco. So just put, I'm just getting in before David Hunter says it because oh, he, he'll, he'll be right. There's he's a...
4: coming off. Yeah, off.
2: David was sweating on that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's only one king, oh, baby. David, yeah.
2: hey, as, as a para fan, yeah. mate, how do you yeah. find... Nickname of the king. Do you find that is a good thing? Because obviously it wasn't. It wasn't Gutho, from what I understand,
4: that self anointed himself. Um, no, it has been given was, to him. I think by by Joey Johns. If it was uh, a joke. It he was he was making yeah. fun of him. That's what it was. It was a it was a make fun of him. He was playing five a, and he said, "Oh, he's just like King Wally. He's the, he's King Gutho. Like he was he was mocking him almost in a bit yeah. of like tongue in cheek." And it's become this thing. It's so funny as premat fans because. He is a very good player. Like, it, I know you talk. We all talk about you know Tedesco, and you know we're talking about these sort of guys. Um, you know, I, I don't think that Gutherson is better than any of them, but I think he's not much behind any of those guys. He's he is the heart and soul of the Parramatta team. You know, like it's without without Gutherson at the back, Parramatta is not you know three from three at the moment. Like that's that's a fact. That, you know, you've got to realise that. But look, I I just find it really funny because. It really infuriates other fans so much that we just lean into it now. You know, we're just happy to keep calling him the king because the more that you hate the fact that we call him the king, the more we're going to call him the king. But, you know, to me, and I'm not even a Parramatta fan,
2: to me, he is the king. And not just because he said it's a bit of an ironic tag, but he is one of the gun players of the competition. His effort level is always 110%. And the one thing that I love about Gutherson is it's more than just what he brings in terms of his skill level, he's also a great character in the game, which, I have to say, are kind of drying up, in my opinion, a little bit. I love the fact that when he scores, every now and then, he'll do a bit of an Elvis Presley-like hip swivel, uh, without all the underage sex, which is great. And it just keeps the bums on the seats, I think,
4: David. It definitely does. He needs to get a haircut, though. I'm not not a big fan of the haircut at the moment, um, the big top knot. I think if any player can can block the top knot, maybe he can, but I think he needs to to slim that hair down a little bit. Probably needs to cut his sideburns, as, as uh, we've been to Simpson's references here, you know. Just keep telling the to cut his sideburns. But, uh, yeah, it, look, uh, he... I, I didn't know what to expect when he first came to Parramatta from Manly. Look, he played, the only time I ever saw him play was a game for Manly against us where he got injured and, went out and was out for the whole year. Um, and then when he turned up, every every time I've seen him play, he puts maximum effort in. And that's all you can ask. I
3: could, I could have told you yeah. that. I, I was... Yeah. I was, I was so annoyed at Manly when we let him go. I just said, we are going to regret that. It's going to be a terrible decision. And oh, what a shock it has been. Shocking decision. No, you could have had him at fullback and we could have signed Dylan Walker for our fullback. That would have been fantastic. Well, double win for me. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: see, I thought, I thought that the Kings of an example of, you know, you give yourself a nickname and people start to believe it. So that's why, you know, when I see, you see massive Schlong Zander. Um, that's what I thought he was trying to evoke. Um, you know, so pitching out there anyway. Is it working? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently this weekend we Are don't
4: Are you know. asking
1: if your schlong is working, Xander?
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the reputation. Oh. <laughs> that did need to be clarified, I think. <laughs> that did that uh, did
0: need to be clarified. Yeah,
2: yeah. And look, and Mario, look, in defence of Dylan Walker, you know, you've had a go at his positional play at fullback, but it's not easy to... Play eighty minutes of footy and still vandalise a nearby pizza shop at the same time. That's
3: tough. I mean, the guys, the guys are very talented fellow. He's he's obviously lived a very varied life. He's kind of a a multi-sport hero. He's a bit of an Anthony Mundine or a you know Sonny Bill Williams. He likes to to get it get involved in various endeavours, unlike these boring one-dimensional rugby league fan uh, players. So we should be grateful to have someone like Dylan Walker in the sport. I think Murray's
4: gonna be really happy. In- of Brian Smith as your coach because God knows who would end up as your fullback. You'd be making game-time decisions. You'd be, I mean, you'd be putting probably DCE back there at fullback for a couple of games. It could be quite interesting.
3: Yeah, but I'd take a losing grand final.
4: Uh,
2: You raise a good point there, mate. I'm pretty sure, no, actually, no, I was about to blame Brian Smith for something that Brad Fittler did. I know that um, one of the craziest positional changes that I can remember the Roosters making is in the midst of that 2009 Wooden Spoon season for the Roosters... Uh, in desperation, Freddie put Breith and Astor at fullback. <laughs> which, was, it, honestly, they should have just played Benny Hill music over the whole thing, because he never made a ball. He was—he's a very slow man, Brayden. And every time they put the kick in, it was actually weird to see the fullback not make it to the ball. It was a, a bizarre thing to watch. Uh, I want to move on to some injuries, guys, because obviously this year has already been marked by a host of injuries. Um, in fact, there's been less carnage at the recent protest in Myanmar. Uh, and I want to know from you guys what you think is driving them. There's been a lot of theories. You know, is it the rule changes, the speed of the game, is it extra fatigue, or is it all just a beat up? Is this just the same amount of injuries, but maybe it's happening to high-profile players? I'll start with you, Xander. What's your take on all of that?
0: It's a bit. It's a bit of a small sample size so still. Have to remember, right? I mean, it's round four, and it's not unheard of that you've seen teams get a, a decimated by injuries early in the season. And some of the ones that we've seen so far. They're pretty freakish. Like, I mean, what happened to Euri seemed really innocuous. Um, you know, uh, the MCL um, to Lamb as well. Um, when you look at the, each of them as individual cases, it, it doesn't seem like something that's you know um, caused by serious fatigue. I mean, Pierce today with the peck, I and mean, what was, was wasn't exactly in the the 80th minute when they were um, you know all exhausted. So I don't know. I, I think I think I think you probably need to um, have a more of a look at each team's uh, strength and conditioning uh, approach. So I don't know if there's been that much more game time to justify that level of concern yet, personally.
2: Do you think, though, I think the logic stacks up, right? The, the idea that maybe it's not so much the speed of the game, but if, if there is more fatigue that your technique going into tackles, for example, isn't going to be as good as it was previously, that, you know, when you're under fatigue and your heart rate's higher, you tend to make dumber decisions. A big shout-out shout out again to Dylan Walker. Um, <laughs> Murray, is there any credence to that? Do you, do you think that Xander's right and it's, we kind of need a larger sample size or can you already see a clear pattern here?
3: We, we definitely can't call it a pattern yet. The, it, is, it is certainly a small sample size. The numbers are concerning, but, it, you know, I think going off on it too early would be like the Gronks going on about, you know, AstraZeneca causing blood clots despite any actual evidence. Yeah,
2: fair enough. And um, I certainly see thing. <laughs> into this highly-charged rugby league debate. You know, the NRL has already reacted, Mario, and um, Giannis, you've probably across this already, this whole uh, 18th man developing player, which is, I think, coming into effect from next round, if I'm correct. I don't think it's in this round yet, where essentially if there is an unusual event of three HIAs that there will be a younger person, you know, popped into the team to combat a team having no bench players at all. Seems like a rare event, to be honest. Do you think that is just reactive NRL at its best, or do you think it's a good idea?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's reactive. Um, I, I actually like the idea of the 18th man. Um, I don't like the idea of a developing player. Initially, I did like it, but then, uh, you know, the, the, the point was, uh, you know, the Sharks case last week. You know, do you really want a developing player out there? Um, uh, you know, to, to front up against seasoned professionals um, straight away. Good point. Uh, in that circumstance, the other thing too is is that it's not only about protecting the fatigue of the player coming on, um, but also the the players around that. Um, I guess I guess this is the hard thing is is that they're all worried about the the, the, the rules being gained. Um, I, I think the, the, the solution can be as simple as looking at, um, you know, the, the the cup games below us, uh, the Canterbury Cup games, where I understand that if a player is being you know, sent off HIA, they miss that following week, regardless of what what happens. Um, so you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, a coach isn't gonna game the system if, if he's gonna you know, get an established player off for an HIA, knowing that next week they're not gonna be able to pick them up. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good way, there's obviously more than one way to skin the cat, right? The idea of uh, preventing coaches or teams from gaming the system, certainly the, you know, the emerging player might be one way, but it does seem like a strange way, as you said, it comes with sort of obvious pitfalls, one being throwing in a, a person who's just not ready for the rigours of first grade and potentially getting hurt themselves comes to mind, but I like the idea of actually having mandatory sit-out periods for people who have failed the HIA. But surely then, you know, the the price for any coach looking to be malevolent with that system would be too high.
1: Yeah, but it comes back to something I I believe that, you know, Robinson uh, and Bellamy, you look at the way in which they run their clubs at the moment, their rosters, they use that full 30-man roster. Um, Your concussion protocols are outstanding. And I think that... um, you know, I think that ultimately that becomes more of a sort of a, a, a broader strategy in play rather than just simply pulling players in and out um, when they fall down. So, so, so I guess I guess from a broader point is I think I think it's leading to a broader conversation about just how the roster management is going to be increasingly important, um, you know, to, to meet some of these things. And and and, and kudos, I think that Easts are the way to go. I hate to say it, hurts me to say this, but I think the way they're dealing with the concussion rules are, are, are exemplary, and it's something that um, I wish clubs like mine would look at.
2: Well, I mean, it's a good segue to talk about Mr Jake Friend. Um, the rumours are, and this
4: hurts me, um, oh, that... Before we, go, before we go too much further, can I soapbox on 18th, man? I've, I've got a... Oh, got mate, a bit sure. Yeah, sorry. I, I was waiting for you to call on me, and you just and hit me, but um, that's it's fine. It was a cutout out <laughs> pass, Yeah, that's OK. All right, so... Um, with this 18th man protocol, uh, I don't know if many people remember this, but remember when the NYC, the under 20s competition first started, they actually brought in a rule where two players who had played previously in the NYC were put on the bench for the NRL game and were able to be used as pre substitutions in case you lost a player. And I don't know how many seasons it was in for, but I'm pretty sure that it was never used. So, when when Yannis is saying, look, you know, you don't want to put a development player in there, I think all coaches wouldn't want to do that. That's That would be a ridiculous thing to do. Um, and I think that an 18th man has got to be a seasoned professional. You can't have young kids running up in, the, in pressure situations like that. And, I mean, it's it's basically put to you that, you know, all the coaches in 2008 weren't willing to do it, so I don't know why they were willing to do it in 2020. Um, and with the... With these injuries, and you know, with people, it's not so much the injuries. That I think people have got a bit of problem with the rules. I think they've got a problem with the the perceived slowdown of quality of the play. You know, I mean, there's a lot of bash, a lot of bash and barge tries happening, um, a lot of you know, very lazy efforts, and I think some of them are leading to injuries. So, um, I actually was, I was put on, I put on Twitter the other day. I said, look, why don't we have at the 20-minute and 60-minute mark, why don't we have, like, five-minute, just a drinks break kind of thing, just a stop. No matter what happens, no matter what's happened to that point, whatever the next tackle is, we just have a break. Um, And I was... I felt a little bit justified when uh, Paul Broughton actually said exactly the same thing on Twitter as well. I I don't know whether you guys think that that's a good idea, but if you give players about five minutes or so at the 20-minute and 60-minute mark, I think that some of this... Fatigue will come out of it a little bit and we won't get as many injuries.
3: But what happens to the little guy then, David? What happens to oh, the little no. guy? You've
4: still, got, you've still got plenty of time for the little guy. The little guy can be good in the 19th minute, 39th minute, <laughs> 59th, in the 79th minute. It'll be fine. 20 minutes well, that, is a long time. You're right. And look, the, 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 I guess the idea of
2: these new rules, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess is, you know, the NRL's way of trying to engineer more fatigue into the game. Mm. Uh, and I guess you're talking about that from a player stamp uh, player safety standpoint which makes a lot of sense but from a product entertainment standpoint i think the nrl are, uh, are sort of wanting to see more fatigue so it would sort of maybe run counter
4: to what their overarching objective is there i'm thinking i'm not sure if anyone else agrees these, Look, they... i think that you've got the the quality of the games have been have been a bit lower too because we haven't we've had too much fatigue i think you've got to bring it back the other way even if it's only a 2 minute break not a 5 minute break you know mm. something that just sort of you know, when the when the ball goes out and players are, you know, feigning injuries just so they can get that little bit of extra break. If we give them that little bit of extra break, maybe we we
3: don't get as much of that. Maybe a scrum. <laughs> you know, maybe a scrum when the ball's kicked out. There's a there's a new idea. They should try something like that.
4: I'm um, sorry to interrupt. Then, That's all I wanted to say. Oh, Just from the
2: soapbox. That no, mate, good. please. Soapbox away. I love it. And Xander, uh, look, uh, David raises an interesting point there. I want to get your, your views on this. If there were to be two-minute breaks at, say, the 30th minute or the 50th minute, somewhere around there, what should happen in that time? Do you think there should be some entertainment for the crowd? And, and what can you do in two minutes?
0: I mean, knowing the NRL, I'm pretty sure it would be a KFC commercial. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing my yeah, minute, I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's a bit of an odd one. Like they have, they do it already, right? When they have um, preseason trials, when they play it in summer, they they have short uh, drinks breaks uh, at the 20 and 60 minute mark. Um,
2: they don't do anything entertainment wise to, to to monetize that, but um, it's certainly not without precedent. Could Monaghan not come on for two minutes and let a dog suck him off? Just so- pitching it as an idea, I'm assuming that <laughs> silence is a big no. Uh, look, I think there'd be a competition between him and Mitchell Pierce, wouldn't they? Well, as you, I keep pointing this out in the podcast, Mitchell Pierce's pants did stay on. I know he was an unlawful, that's, um, that's just because the count. dog was not, not willing. This is true. If only the dog could be uh, an accurate character defence. I think the dog was part of the Me Too movement.
3: I mean, it's very good to know that Mitchell Pearce understands consent better than, you know, a a decent percentage of the male population. But look,
2: I guess as an adjoining topic, all these injuries, um, I'm not sure if this caught anyone else's eye, but obviously there's a lot of bad press around Cafusi last week for his uh, forearm on Madison. Dog. Whether or not there was an intentional act or not, he he got a bit of a slap on the wrist for it. Uh, But uh, again, in the South game, Cody Walker, coming down at their head with an intentional forearm. I think it was, um, i trying to think of who he did. I think it might have been Nick Meany, the dogs. Looks like he's only caught one week. In the midst of all this head knock and concussion talk, do you guys think that's a bad look for, for someone who, lit, he was actually using malice uh, to forearm someone in the back of their head and he got a week? And yeah, you know, I, like I, think, I
0: was genuinely surprised by that. Like, I mean, after the Capusi incident, it, was, it received so much coverage and they said they were going to be looking at it and, Revising the way they approached those sorts of acts, you would have thought they'd have come down a little bit harder.
4: I think it matters that it's Cody Walker and not police Cafusi, which is unfortunate because it seems to matter who the player is when it actually
2: happens. So what do you mean by that, David? You're talking about the difference between the way Souths are treated and Melbourne are treated, or what are you uh, getting at?
4: Maybe not so much that. I think it's a, um, I think police He's a. He's a bigger player. He's a forward. He's a. He's got a bit of reputation. Um, I think Cody Walker, half you know, like, it, I, I'm i going to go back to Parramatta here, but I remember an incident when Pui Pui Moimoi hit someone in a high tackle got nine weeks, um, and, you know, in a similar tackle in the same game, someone, you know, obviously can't hit as hard as he can, you know, I didn't get any suspension at all. So, mm. you know, it seems to be that they, the big kids don't, you know, play well with the little kids and they give them bigger, bigger um, penalties.
2: Well, Yannis, it's interesting yeah, I- that says that, right? Because I, I mean, I, for me, Cody Walker actually has a bit of form on the board when it comes to the niggle, uh, and even in the same game, I think he stomped on the foot of Corey Waddell. Um, hmm. and, and it's kind of a bit of a niggle that seems to go unnoticed. I know I'm a Roosters fan; I'm showing my badge at the door here, and I do have some skin in the game. I'm not a big fan of Souths, but to me, I do feel as though Souths are a club that get away with a little bit of that niggle, and I'm not oh, entirely totally, player.
1: totally. Or, and you only need to see. You know Sam Burgess, who who I thought had a lot of grubbing in, uh, that seemed to not sort of be brought up. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting how some players seem to hide that grub. Uh, like I, I would argue, um, is it Mulitano, the the, the Sharks winger, um, uh, good great player, but um, uh, you know it seems to always go on. There's that little bit of extra after. It uh and, and cody walker i'd agree with as well um the only thing is that i'd say is that you know to, to not to you know to, to sort of parrot uh, mario but you know essentially fuck the storm they've been doing it for years and 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 if it means that people are finally taking notice of it then we'll fuck them
3: amen
2: <laughs> i love it um i hope all of our secrets end with fuck it that's where i hope the conversation basically gets elevated to um, you know, it actually makes me recall. I think it was a game last year where uh, the poor hapless Josh Reynolds was playing for the Tigers. It was a game between the Souths and the Tigers, and uh, Josh got off on the field. I think he was filling in for someone who was injured, and for someone who was injured, for someone who was injured, because you know he's, he's, he holds down the number twenty-one jersey. And he came on in a rare performance, and he put a kick through. And he was trying to toe the ball again. He ended up kicking the fullback in the head, who went down to get the ball. It wasn't good. Hit him flush, but it was purely an accident. And in the same game, Latrell Mitchell in retaliation with a clenched fist, punched him from behind in the jaw and South's got the penalty. Nothing really happened to Latrell. I think he pleaded early guilty. He didn't miss a week. I think Josh got three weeks. There's there's certainly some inconsistencies happening over there at Redford
1: for me. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say... I'd say that South's a a bit of the darling of the the league. um, Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Having said that, I, I seem to think that we... I mean, you know, remember Tyson Frizzell got two weeks for for you know, brushing a, a, a referee, uh, and we can be, use the example, but I would say that because, you know, um, well, I'm a conspiracy theorist at the best of times, so um, I, I think we all should carry that. But yeah, look, certainly South seem to have some plays. to get away with it. And by the way, how is all your QAnon stuff going? Are you still planning to storm the Capitol building next month? Well, well, well as I've explained, um, <laughs> you know, certainly I, I believe that the day of reckoning will happen and, and we will eventually, um, you know, uh, respond to the AFL and storm the Capitol. Um, yeah. and, 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 and Peter Valandis is, is our Lord and Saviour to save us from, from, from the AFL scourge.
2: Fantastic. But Brett Dallas couldn't have said it any better. Um, Look, I do want to um, flip off to something a little bit new. This was only breaking the last sort of 48 hours, but Bronson Cherry, fellas, we all know he's the guy who uh, took Rams blood along with four or five different stimulants and human growth hormones and thought he'd get away with it. He didn't. He got four years, but it's come out today. He's looking to not just rest on his laurels while he's uh, sitting on the sideline. He actually wants to potentially make an NFL switch. Uh, Mario, do you think this is going to be a successful venture? As you've already pointed out, um, these things tend to end quite well, don't they?
3: I just want to know why do we care about anything Bronson Jerry says or does?
2: Uh, I think it's because we can put the headline Cherry Bomb into it.
3: <laughs> well, I'd rather just listen to the John Cougar Mellon Camp song.
2: <laughs> okay. What about you, Xander? Um, you might have a little bit more enthusiasm for American sport. I'm not sure. Uh bronze and cherry, could he make a go of it? And B, this is my real this is where the real question is for me. Is this a slight on the NRL? Or he's been sanctioned by our sport and then rather than sitting out and, and, and taking on his comeuppance like a good Jake friend would and work, you know, seven hours a day at a sandwich shop and, and slowly work his way back into an NRL career, he's gonna fuck off to the America and potentially, you know, make a go of it over there. Um Do you think it sort of goes to the heart of him not being particularly contrite for what he's done? I mean,
0: yeah, can't really speak to his mental state of mind, but um, no, please do. Good luck, good luck to him is all I can say. You know, I mean, the NFL is not an easy, easy um, uh, competition to crack. Um, You know, I mean, we've had two very talented players have a go at it. Um, Didn't work out for Valentine Holmes at all. Unless you know, Jared Hayne had a. Some very limited success. i sure, hasn't even really made a name for himself in the NRL yet. Not really. Um, the idea that he's going to go over there, you know, uh, and, uh, and crack the NFL. I think I, if he's got four years to kill, you know, have a crack at it. But I, I honestly think he'd probably have, have a better shot at, uh, shot at uh, going to French rugby.
3: If performance-enhancing drugs leave you barely good enough for, a, for an average side in rugby league, then you're fucked in, in NFL.
2: Agreed,
3: yeah. I agree with Honestly, that Mario, that Bronson Cherry was only an average player for the Sharks. Yeah, he was just, a, he was a decent player, but at best, and the Sharks are, a you know, we're a, a perfectly average team. He's, I don't, I don't, I have zero fear or concern that he's going to have any success in the NFL. He's, he's not big enough, he's not strong enough, he's not fast enough, he's nothing. He, he's yeah. big. I've got to
0: say, I've seen the photos of him lately. They, they say that he's, off the juice <laughs> i'm not so sure just looking at the the, the training montages of him at the moment I'm like jesus christ for a guy who's 20 uh, he, you know he's not on herbal
4: life
3: <laughs> yeah, sure yeah Lugandrol has some amazing effects <laughs> the
4: thing is for nfl rosters is it so he'll he'll get one of these um, international developing roster spots where all you know like whatever they do when they you know they can't put home but to actually make it to a roster when you've got all these kids coming through from college that have spent their whole what, life basically training for this, and he's just going to pick it up, he's going to he's going to make an NFL spot, it, it's very rare that it ever would happen.
0: Extremely difficult. Only 2% of the college kids make it into the NFL to start with, so the competition's going to be massive.
2: Yeah, but Yardis, uh, surely this depends on how much gear he's you know, likely to get on, isn't mm-hmm. it?
1: Yeah, you see, I reckon with his speed, I reckon he'd be well suited for you know one of those made-up sports that Channel Seven, uh, video, you, know, you know, views you know, whether it's Ultimate Tag or AFL. I mean, realistically, um, uh, <laughs> put him on, put him on a revival of
2: Gladiators. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm i I, have the view this. You know, I'm starting to get into NFL, and fuck it is. It is a completely different sport to what he would come at. You know the angles, the the training, what he's required. Um, to be honest, I think it, it sort of strikes me as more of a telegraph beat-up. You know, he's a good boy that you know the mole or you know some other sex pest name will come up with you know like a Jacko Hastings. You know, he deserves another shot. And and I'm, I'm I must admit I'm, I'm I'm a bit with, you know Mario and, you know, fucking did the wrong thing. Um, and no no one player is bigger than the whole, you know, we, we will survive, the Sharks will survive, you know, fuck
4: Is the, You've is done the it band, again. is the, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, is the, um, is the band just for rugby league, like, can he play for it NRL only, Cause, so could he go and play in that new North American rugby league thing that just got pitched recently? That's a great, that's a great question. From what I understand, it's just an NRL sanction. Um, so he Go to any any one of he could go and play in the, the French rugby league or the you know no one plays in Super League sorry um or you know like the the CFL XFL merger that's about to happen he could play any of these sports he could but some people would argue playing Super League I'd rather just
2: sit out now guys there is speculation that Jake Friend may not play another match apparently he's had his third concussion um in the space of like one season like two, one season's worth of games they actually are. Worrying numbers, um, and I, I guess not that I'm a head knock expert, despite my, um, you know, clear brain damage. I'm not, um, but according to them, the thing about it is, it's when players can get concussed really easily on subsequent occasions. So we've already seen it with Boyd Cordner, for example, in Origin. It looked to be barely innocuous, and yet he looked completely down and out. So apparently that is a sign of brain trauma. And Jake certainly might fall into that category. Uh, as a Roosters fan, Zander, I'm going to start with you. Would you like to see him retire or do you think he should play on them and finish out the season?
0: What's in his best interest is the most important thing. You know, I mean, he's, he's uh, got an incredible story, Frendi. I mean, he came back from being sacked, won three premierships. Um, you know, he's got nothing left to prove at this point. I think, uh, I think he needs to just think about, you know, the next phase of his life. I reckon if, if the doctors are telling him, you know, this is, a, this is something that could get worse, then I, you should probably just just hang up the boots. Maybe we're, even as a club, we're better off with um, just starting the transition plan now.
2: Yannis, look, your club's ta- taken it a little bit differently. Uh, the Roosters sort of lead the way when it comes to head knock health and concussion health. But, you know, I've already heard from the likes of James Graham and Josh Kerr that they're happy to die for their club. Um, where do you sort of fall on this kind of stuff? Obviously, Jake Friend is going to be advised by medical experts whether or not he should play on again. The, the word is that he won't be. Um, we, we kind of touched on this on our last show, but you weren't here. I'm interested to get your thoughts about the, the idea of player agency in all of this. Do you think a player should have the ultimate decision over their own career? Or, in say, in the case of Jake Friend, if, if the professionals advise him that his career is over... Should that be the way it is, or should Jake make that choice?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm more of the view that it should be that the player makes that uh, that determination, if you will. Um, they all make the decision to step on that field in the first place. Um, I guess the question is is where, and I'm not the lawyer in the room, but where is the duty of care um, that both the club and the, the league should play? Uh, in that. And I think it basically comes to one of support in, and, and the financial backing to say, well, we'll give you the medical advice that you need to have. Um, you know, we will provide you as much guidance and advice. But I mean, ultimately, it's it's no different to, you know, any other injury um, that a player may sustain, uh, you know, you know, a neck injury or something along those lines to, to create other issues as well. Uh, me personally, um, you know, and, and I'm not in that position, but, you know, I think, um, you know, Jake Friend probably, you know, he's making the right decision if he, if he chooses to do that. Um, yeah. But but again, I I really can't, I can't put myself in the position of the Josh Kurz or, or the like as well because I'm just not in that. Uh, I'd rather let them make a decision, if you will.
4: Mm.
2: David, look, you know, this idea of uh, playing for your club, as a fan, would you die for the Eels if it meant... You know, uh, having to sustain repeated head knocks, watching the eels, which is apparently what a, a lot of West Tigers fans feel like at times. Um, would you be prepared to die for the eels as a fan?
3: Is it already too late for David?
4: <laughs> Look, I was born an eels fan. I can't, I can't get out of it. Uh, this, this concussion stuff is. I feel like, you know, twenty years from now, we're all going to say, God, they were stupid to do things the way they did it. And it's always the way that things are. I, I just don't know. Like, it, I think if the if the doctors at this point say he's got, you know, he's got a, a real risk that something bad could happen. I I don't begrudge him for retiring, Jake Friend. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just not sure. Just not sure what the best way to go about this is because obviously it's a contact sport. You know, we're going to get large collisions. We've taken the shoulder charge out, which was supposed to help a lot of this. But you know, I, I always laugh at the people on Twitter going, "Oh, look." Maybe they just all should wear headgear, and you know, not you know, sort of, not thinking about the fact that you, you know, your brain's not actually being protected by headgear at all.
2: No, it's not. And anyone so, that's looked into those reports um, and read them, that it, it really does show up the fact that something like headgear is completely superfluous. It's it might look good for op- optics, because someone might not be pissing blood out of their head on the field, which might turn fans off and people wanting their kids to play it. But as you said, it's it's the whiplash, isn't it? It's the severe physics of giant men, which are getting who are getting bigger, colliding with each other at faster speeds than they have before. Um,
4: you know, ultimately, there's going to be a cost to just playing in a realm. Definitely. And look, I just know what the answer is. I just a background to, to my you know professional career. I, I'm I do things in the building industry. And We were recently talking on Twitter about you know oh, why don't they build them as good as they used to? And it's like well. When they built them in the old days they didn't build them very well either it's just we didn't know any better you know what i mean it's gonna it feels like the same thing's gonna happen It's gonna be like well why didn't they tell this guy to medically retire um but you know we we don't know we they're, they're still doing a lot of research on this sort of stuff they don't know exactly what the best way of approaching it is and it feels like these guys are the guinea pigs for now mm. Mario, I mean, it's it's an emerging topic and it it moves,
2: um, the policies moves along with, you know, the science and there's a lot more happening in that concussion space. Uh, In terms of diagnostics, for example, there's light eye tests and things like that, which I think are going to move things along, but you know, having thought about this myself, I like quite like the idea of the NRL sort of implementing some kind of mandatory framework here where, and I'm kind of pulling numbers out of my ass here, but for example, you know, if a player sustains, you know, more than three concussions in the space of, you know, um, you know, 25 games, for example, that means they have to set X amount of games out as a mandatory. Do, do you think something like that could work?
3: I think it can, provided they're only replaced with an, emer- with an emerging player.
2: Okay, so you think <laughs> they come in for 25 floats of games. I quite like that. That's very PVL.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, apparently three is the magic number now, isn't it?
2: It, I don't know if you guys have the same impression. Does it doesn't feel like there's more concussions now? I think it might feel that way, but I think it's because, you know, the trainers and the players and the game is onto it more and they're more protective. Is that the impression you guys have as well?
0: Yeah, I reckon it's a lot of it's um, down to the fact that we have a concussion protocol to begin with. I can remember, you know, when we were watching Quitty, um before all this started, you know, particularly, when you look at those old Origins series from the, the early '90s. And, um, you know, going back to dance in the 90s, players are just shake shaken off.
4: You, know, you wouldn't have thought you know, twice about it. In that origin game, exactly. you, do, just talking the origin, um, we all remember the the time that Marty Beller got up and played the ball backwards. And everyone, and some mem now, everyone laughs at it. But yeah. there's no doubt he was fully concussed at the time and probably should. And if he was, it was nowadays, he would be off the field. But, no, he was just, play on Marty, it's fine, you know. I
2: think that's part and parcel, David. Of being, um, you know, a giant forward with moustache and balding, people just tend to laugh at you because uh, you've got that kind of comic physique. But I think you're right. We had no conception back then, did we, of how serious? I mean, people, even the idea of using the word concussion, right? That's it's a bit of almost a PR spin, right? It is brain trauma. If people started using the, the phrase brain trauma or brain injury. It might come home for a little bit for people a little bit more, but I think when we use the word concussion, even that term puts us at a distance to it.
4: Well, I think the NRL don't want to use that term because they're still trying to encourage kids to play. So if you if you said, "Oh, look, you know, we've got this brain injury protocol," I don't know how many parents are going to want their kids to play, you know, a sport that has that has to have that.
2: Yeah, good point. And I suppose a lot of the parents would point out that NRL players have brains. I didn't. That was news to me. Um, look, there's another little topic I wanted to round off the show with, guys. Um, it's obviously the, the talk of expansion, you know, coming in with the Brisbane 2, uh, the second team. And there's been a lot of criticism this week, especially in light of the, the giant gap that's already emerged in the, in this year's competition. As, as Mario sort of alluded to earlier, there is sort of top seven teams and the rest. Um, do you guys think that there are some serious implications to, to expanding the comp? When it looks as though we are, we, there is a thinning out of talent at the bottom end, or do you think it's a bit of a beat-up? Might, might start with you, Xander.
0: There's genuine concerns. I mean, not even, yeah, you know, like the, the bottom four teams are just nowhere near the standard of the rest. Um, it's it's not even just that, but also the coaches, right? I mean, there's been a real um, merry-go-round of coaches um, for clubs that haven't been successful, and, and they they all seem to trade the same the same. Coaches that haven't succeeded elsewhere, right? You know, I mean, like Nathan Brown going to the Warriors. I think there's, there's a genuine question there. I mean, I don't know. Uh, they're talking about Bellamy potentially coming to coach this new side if they can. They can pull that off, then. maybe. But uh,
2: they're going to need to have some big
0: signings um, to make that thing successful from the get-go.
2: Yeah. Well, Giannis, is this enough to say no to expansion? It, you know, the idea of this gulf that seems to be widening. Do you think it's enough for us to say let's let's put a bit of a hold or or a handbrake on any further expansion plans. It looks like Brisbane 2 is happening regardless, but you know, there's been a lot of talk about potentially including another team, so it, there's no buys for example, and having a second team. Do you think that is going to thin it out too much?
1: Look, I, I think um expansion um is is imperative. I think we need we need to build broader a broader fan base um and certainly geographical areas as well. Um I, I think the broader problem, though, is it's not just a matter of the people you put on the pitch, but, um, you know, listening to the big shout out to the Rugby League Digest. You know, one of the, the key areas is that is also establishing that key back behind, you know, boardrooms, the right board um, and, and both David and I and, and, and indeed Mario can understand what the, that, that pain is all about. Um, it's about getting proper administration um, and you build the back door, back back rooms properly then 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 it, it develops from there so I, I think there is scope for that but i think that there needs to be perhaps better um i want to use the word mentoring or something but you know a better uh, uh, i guess clarity around administration as, as, as your first basis before you you, you really jump into a your program or we're just repeating the mistakes of the mid-90s.
2: Yeah, because we don't want Adelaide Rams mark two, do we? Although Graeme Mapper was a great player, but he probably shouldn't be in any record books anywhere when it comes to rugby. <laughs> um, now look, I don't know if this could be a furphy, Mario, I might throw this to you because, you know, there's always a gulf between the top teams and the bottom teams, obviously. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, the way that scoring has changed, obviously there's a lot more tries at the moment with the rule changes um, there's, there's been, you know, the idea that when a good team gets a momentum roll on, it's really difficult for, for a lesser team to roll it back. So I'm wondering if, if we're just looking at this idea of the golf in terms of the scoreboard, if we're not overblowing it a bit. Because I kind of got the feeling that in the last couple of years, that same golf's been there. It's just not as exaggerated on the scoreboard.
3: I don't think we've ever had four such of three or four such obviously bad teams. At, at once, but again, we're we're still going off a little half cock just because of the whole early, early end of the season and stuff. But it's hard to see, apart from you know Tommy coming back, out of those bottom three, four teams, it's hard to see a huge amount of improvement for any of them, and I'm obviously not convinced that Tommy coming back makes manly suddenly a top eight team but I don't think it's due to a gulf in talent of players though because like I've said I think all those teams have got better players that could be used in better ways I think it's more to do with the coaching there's too many coaches just who are not up with the current standards it's amazing that guys like Wayne and Bellamy who are so old are more able to adapt to new rule changes and new styles of the game than a younger coach like Trent Barrett it's quite strange but Yeah, I think it's just a matter of they're smart and he dumb. Mario, how do you explain
2: that anomaly? You're right. Wayne Bennett, for example, is someone that seems to keep up with the trends. The game's never been through a more, I don't believe, a more dramatic transformation in the last couple of years. And yet his team seems to be getting better. And this is someone who's old enough to remember the ball war. How does someone like Wayne Bennett keep up with these kind of trends and someone like Des Hasler doesn't?
3: Wayne, Wayne. I mean, there's there's no easy answer. Wayne is just, there's a reason he's won as much as he has and been successful as much as he has. He's just really good at his job, whereas Dez has had success, there's no question. But when you look back at that manly squad that he had and he won those grand finals with, they were pretty goddamn good and the team really picked themselves.
2: And your forward pack back then, that's what I remember, the guys when Watmail was good and Glenn Stewart and those God, you had a good forward pack in the, the, the sort of the, the golden age of the Seagulls. It's I mean, the Seagulls have won just as many premierships as
0: Wayne Bennett has in the last 20 years.
3: Yeah, but he's stayed consistently <laughs> up there. You know, he's, ta- he's kept teams. He took yeah. that Knights team, that Knights team that he took to the prelim and almost got them to the grand final. They were not a good squad. And the moment he left, it was shown just how bad they were. You know, he did amazing things with that team, in my opinion. I understand his last premiership was back in 2010. But, you know, he was a Ben Hunt drop ball away from one only, you know, six grand finals ago. So that still has got to tell you that he's still there.
2: I just enjoy the fact that a Ben Hunt dropped a measurement of time. Um, And a lot happened in that. In that moment, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw this. You would know this, Giannis, Apparently, uh, I think it was Brent uh, Greg Alexander mentioning this in the commentary that um, you know you, Ben was copying a bit of a Bronx cheer from the kickoff in the Broncos game. Did you notice that, or is that all bullshit?
1: I'd say it's all bullshit. Um, I, I think that uh, I think the most important thing out of this conversation is to demonstrate that the, that. Uh, the 2010 grand final was, I dare say, the last time that um, good has triumphed over evil uh, <laughs> to such point that, Eamon, you, you're on record of saying you hate Brett Morris on another podcast that David would be aware of. And I think that's a rugby league crime uh, that <laughs> I, 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 I normally would be outraged about, but I just think we should point that out. And maybe we could all, you know, in this time of wokeness, recognise where you've gone wrong and, and apologise to rugby league.
2: Thank you, mate. No, look, I do plan on self-flagellating with a, um, a cat of nine tails of, of leafy goodness uh, later in the day. Um, yeah, for anyone interested, that was on David Hunter's uh, Hypothetic Rugby League podcast where I did. And there was some nuance there, Giannis. You're leaving that out, mate, because I did say that I would turned around on Brett Morris and I hated myself. For not liking him back in 2010. But David, just
1: on. I didn't the- get that far. I just I hung up. Right, I stopped the podcast right then because I'm not prepared
4: to listen to such dribble after that. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> lost a lot of dragons about- fans that day.
3: Surely yeah. no one ever disliked Brett Morris. I'm confused. He is pretty damn likable. I have to say,
4: He's too likable.
3: Um, David for Queensland. On the
2: topic of expansion, mate, where, where are you on that? I don't know your thoughts. You've done plenty of, um, obviously, plenty of hypotheticals over your time, but I'm not entirely sure where you sit on the idea of the NRL expanding. We are getting that second Brisbane team. So two questions. Are you for some expansion? And two, do you think this gulf in the competition at the moment is going to be a problem
4: for convincing um, you know, the Rugby League authority to actually add another team after that? yeah look i i don't think you can ever have 17 teams i think if you're going to go 17 you're going to go 18. i what like what Yanis was saying i'm i'm worried that you know the NRL. hopefully they've learned their lessons from 1995 where they put four new teams in and we went to 20. um and i think we we tried to expand way beyond our means and obviously you know a lot of other things happened at the same time um i'm also a very avid uh, league digest uh listener. So I, you know, I know all about that sort of stuff they're talking about, but look, I think there's enough quality players out there. I just think that you're always going to have poor teams at the bottom. And, you know, look, there's been, you say there's been three poor teams in the first four rounds and you never know what's going to happen. Canterbury have been a poor team, you know, many years in a row and then sort of had these late season runs and it's kind of papered over some cracks for them as well. So, you know, it's always going to be the the teams, the haves and the have-nots. So I don't know if having 18 teams as opposed to 16 is going to make that much of a difference. Uh, and I do think the quality is still there. And, you know, realistically, I don't know whether Brisbane Tour is the best thing to go about. You know, maybe that's, I, I can see the commercial reason for it. But, you know, like I, I really think that we missed a huge opportunity to go back to Perth a few years ago. And it might be too late now, but I still think that might be next sort of step and i I wouldn't mind if if we had 18 and they were in there i also kind of think that some of these sydney clubs maybe need to i know i don't want to go through that whole pain went through the amalgamations again but i think we might need to revisit whether having nine sydney clubs is is actually good going forward Mm, it's
2: interesting food for thought you might be uh, copying a few more manly perth eagles chat mario um if that happens because i understand every time there's a relocation conversation it does tend to be manly the tigers and the sharks i think probably quite unfairly when it comes to some of those clubs but do you worry about that mario do you worry about the idea of of an eagles team being relocated or merged and if so would you still support them if they did
3: I no longer live in the Northern beaches, so I don't get to go to Brookie as often as I used to. So it wouldn't really make that big a difference to me if they moved. So yes, I'd still support them. I I think um, uh, economically Manly probably makes sense because they're not making that much money as a club. Geographically, I think it would make no sense to move Manly because then you'd just leave that area open and just hand it to rugby forever, which I think would be a shame. Um, Whereas the Sharks geographically make no sense to exist. They shouldn't be there, but economically they're doing okay. So it really depends on what criteria you look at in terms of which teams should go. What I think there's no doubt about is that the nine teams are too many in Sydney and five should, in my opinion, five is the right number. And even then long-term, perhaps fewer than that.
2: Mm, I like that. It's very finalistic saying Sharks don't have a right to exist. It's like they're the Israel of, of the NRL. Um, guys, we might might wrap our conversations there. What I did want to do is actually finish of a fun little game. If you guys are keen, um, it'll be the first to two, so it doesn't go for too long. You only get one shot. These are the rules: you only get one shot, and to buzz in, you just got to say your name. But right, here's the first one. I was born in 1998, and I'm of Samoan uh, heritage. I played on the, I still play on the right wing for the Penrith Panthers. Mario. Uh, yes, Mario.
3: Uh, what I mean, Charlie Staines plays in the right wing for the Penrith Panthers at the moment. Doesn't want to be 23 though. F- okay, I I'm out.
4: David, David. David in. Is it Brian Totol? It is Brian Totol. Oh.
2: Well done. I hope I didn't send you astray by saying left on that wing. I, I'm going I think off. He might play left wing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going off Wikipedia, Mario. So you got fucked over by Wikipedia. I'm out left
3: wing now, but oh well.
2: I'll All right, well it. done, David. You're off the mark, mate. You're one right away from victory. Well done. Okay, uh, who am I? My, my middle name is William. You might not know that. Uh, and I was born on the 20th of October, 1969. Nice. Um, <laughs> Thanks, my for the <laughs> Um Now, I, I'm retired, obviously, given the DOB, uh, and I was a centre 5'8", who played in the 80s and 90s. So I played for Australia on 26 different occasions, um, and I'm considered one of the finest players of the 20th century. Uh, I may have played. Yes. Uh, Probably too old. Uh, uh, Wally. It is not Wally. Mario. Uh Yes, Mario. Steve Renoff. It is not Steve Renoff. Then there were two. It's down to Xander and David. Who will hold their nerve? We'll find out after the break. No, we won't. We'll continue. (laughs) Uh, I played for the green machine. David. Yes, David. Is it Laurie Daly? It is Laurie Daly. David, sleep, mate. you've won it to zip. Congratulations, mate. And it's good timing because we are running out of time in our Zoom session. It just popped up to alert me. So congratulations, David. You are the, the proud owner of a 1980s version of the Encyclopedia Britannica. I'll, I'll, I'll send you out the CD-ROM. Uh, so enjoy that. And uh, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for doing this weird novel TVT I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Do you have any final thoughts, guys, to leave the listeners with before we go? I
3: have no thoughts at the best of times.
4: Oh, my head's empty now. I got off (laughs) the Okay. But we
2: are a brains
4: trust. That's why I love
2: our show. Uh, Look, Murray did point this out. Um, It's something that I should uh, probably finish most of the shows with. You can follow our show uh, on most forms of social media. I think we've got it on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Um, if you get a chance to like or rate or comment on the show, we are on most of the major platforms as well, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and about nine or 10 porn sites. So um, get involved. Thank you for, for listening. And, uh, guys, thank you for joining me for another session of the TVT. Very enjoyable. Thank you. Thanks, gents.